This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. Now that the federal election is on for September 20th, what will the big issue of this campaign be? Libby suggested to Fight Back Zoomer Squad Monday, the ballot question will be around mandatory COVID vaccination for some workers and vaccine passports. After all, it's no coincidence Justin Trudeau announced on Friday, two days before the election call, that all federal workers and workers in federally regulated industries will need to be fully immunized with two shots by October if the liberals are reelected. And days before that, there was an announcement with a promise of federal vaccine passports for international travel. The conservatives under Erno Tool won't make vaccines mandatory. There's only talk of mandatory COVID testing. And the NDP's Jugmeet Singh is in agreement with a plan for mandatory vaccinations for federal workers, but wants it to take effect by Labor Day, which ironically might only have happened had there not been an election campaign. With their thoughts, here are Peter Muggridge, Senior Editor, Zoomer Magazine, Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media. I question whether the uh, election can be sustained around the issue of uh, mandatory vaccines. I think that's a topic, but I don't think that's a sufficiently dramatic topic to galvanize uh, the voters between the different parties. That's just my opinion. I, I think it's pretty thin to base it all on that. But I, I do think that the recovery from COVID, the economic recovery, the dollars and cents, uh, the deficit, all those really apply equally across the board. Maybe health care and uh, uh, long-term care more intensively for, of course, for Zoomers. Okay, but yeah, that's all connected to mandatory vaccination and passports. Bill, what do you think? Well, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to go very far on vaccine passports because it's something that uh, certainly CARP uh, members were totally in favor of well before they made the uh, announcement. So whether or not uh, this could be an an issue or not is a a question that that, that I'd raise. I think they were probably trying to uh, encourage the other parties to... to, uh, open up on the the issue so they could look like the good guys. Uh, but I don't think that's what we know that that's not what Canadians are really interested in in this election. OK, Peter, let, let me clarify what my thinking on it. You know, I think it it's, might be the ballot question in a negative way because the Conservatives won't do it. And the NDP, well, um, yes, they push for it, but they're unlikely to form the government. So, uh, Peter, what do you think? Yeah, um, I, I think the Liberals uh, timed this perfectly. They, they got uh, O'Toole on the defensive right right off the bat, right? The first day of the campaign, O'Toole is scrambling to um, clarify his position on vaccinations. And so so everyone on his staff is vaccinated. He's, he's vaccinated. Anyone traveling with him has to be vaccinated. But 
he is not in favor of mandatory vaccination. So I, I, I think, you know, it, it's a wedge issue. Like the Liberals, Liberals are fantastic at developing these wedge issues to confuse voters. And um, the Conservatives are fantastic at falling for the tra- falling into these traps and uh, making bewildering statements that uh, just, just, you know, further distance themselves from... Uh, from from what people want, and and uh, you know, O'Toole's going to have to scramble to to bear or clarify his position on this, because I, I think, like you, Libby, I think the majority of people want uh, mandatory vaccinations, and uh, and and uh, you know, O'Toole's going to be um, he's going to be hurt in the polls if he if he doesn't come out in favor of it. I don't think that the Liberals did this wrong. I agree with you that it's popular. I think that they did play it as a wedge issue and wrong-footed O'Toole. I have questioned, though, whether that can be sustained as the burning either-or issue. There's a long list of, uh, of topics, but I think um, that one, to, to, to build the whole house on that foundation, that's what I'm, I'm questioning. I do think health care. I do think long-term care. Uh, there's an overall feeling of satisfaction with uh, the handling of the vaccines. It all worked out well in the end. But if we have a fourth wave and if it looks like it's a bit of a struggle, that may be a uh, harder ground to defend. And I think there's a lot more uh, vulnerability for the liberals, not that the conservatives can do anything to exploit it. I think they have a lot more vulnerability on economic insecurity, financial insecurity, uh, the deficits, where does the economy go from here, uh, how strong is the recovery going to be, uh, those are all big topics, and I don't think that uh, mandatory vaccines is going to be a big enough band-aid to cover them all. David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media, Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor at Zoomer Magazine, and Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer at CARP, Fightback's Monday Zoomer Squad. You're listening to the best of Fightback on Zoomer Radio. I'm Bob Comsick for Jane Brown. What about the legal implications around mandatory vaccination for federal workers and those in federally regulated industries? What do their union representatives think about this? And will there be legal challenges? Libby was also joined on Monday by Chris Aylward, who's the national president of Public Service Alliance of Canada. We support the uh, the mandate, the mandatory uh, vaccinations mandate, uh, but with some nuances. Uh, certainly, uh, our members uh, have a right to work in a safe and healthy workplace. I mean, it's a basic fundamental of any union, uh, and always has been, to advocate for safe and healthy workplaces. And this is just another way to do that. Obviously, the vaccinations have, you know, proven to be the best method to slowing down and stopping the spread of COVID-19. And here we are in the middle of a fourth wave. So uh, we do have some concerns with it, though. Uh, this has not been discussed with any of the federal unions. This has not been uh, consulted uh, on. Uh, and we do have some concerns around human rights issues and, and medical issues uh, as well, that you know members very well may have a legitimate uh, concern with being uh, vaccinated. So we have to make sure that uh, our members uh, in those situations are protected. Uh, and, and again, we're looking forward to seeing the actual implementation and rollout plan from the government so that we can have proper and meaningful consultation on this so that we can have our concerns uh, addressed. In terms of people who just say this is private and you can't tell me what to put in my body, do you expect 
uh, legal challenges and or do you think the law as it stands now that can the government put this in without any changes to the law? Well, I mean, certainly I think you, you very well may see some uh, charter challenges uh, if they were to come out and say, you know, basically no exception. Uh, if you want to work in the federal public service, you must be vaccinated. Then, of course, they're going to see charter challenges uh, against that. Uh, like I said, we're, we're still waiting to see uh, and be consulted on the actual implementation plan. So when they say that, you know, with people with medical reasons, they're going to be okay. What does that mean? They're going to be okay. Does that mean that you're going to force them to work from home and work remotely and not allow them into the workplace? So, again, we, we, we have a lot more, obviously, questions than we do uh, answers at this point. Uh, since this was announced on Friday, as I said, there, there's been no consultation uh, with any of the unions. We represent 160,000 federal public sector workers, uh, and, and I'm hopeful that that consultation will take place in the coming weeks. We have been uh, told that there will be consultation uh, on it before it's uh, implemented. If they don't do any consultation uh, with the unions, then you're going to see some major issues, I think, in the workplace, because as much as we do support uh, the announcement, uh, we have some issues that we need to uh, to get addressed uh, before we can actually agree to any implementation uh, of this. The, uh, you know, one of our commentators uh, sort of uh, floated the idea that maybe employers or, you know, the, the government should change the law to indemnify anybody against uh, human rights challenges as a result of this. Uh, is that something that you foresee or would support? Uh, no, I mean, like I said, there 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 are members who would have human rights uh, issues uh, regarding mandatory vaccinations, and we have to make sure that those rights are protected. And as as far as you know, uh, a, any kind of uh, you know the, the giving up of those rights, no, we would definitely not agree to uh, to any of that. Uh, we have to make sure that you know a couple of things, as I said. Uh, that our members have a right to work in uh, the workplaces that are safe and healthy, uh, but yet they have also other rights that uh, that need to be protected as well, including human rights, including privacy rights, uh, medical uh, rights as well. So again, uh, unfortunately, there you know there's still a lot of unanswered questions uh, regarding those types of things. But we do know scientifically proven that vaccinations do slow down and stop the spread of COVID-19. And, that, and I think that's very important. Uh, you know, the fact that we're in the middle now of a, a, fourth, wave, a fourth wave uh, of COVID. Chris Aylward, National President of Public Service Alliance of Canada, in conversation with Libby on Monday. You're listening to The Best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick. Coming up after the break, more on vaccinations and the federal election campaign with the weekly strategy panel. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. As federal candidates crisscross the country, polls show 9 in 10 Liberal supporters are in favor of mandatory vaccinations for certain workers, while about 7 in 10 Conservative supporters feel that way. Libby discussed with John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, Bob Richardson, Liberal Strategist and Senior Counsel to National Public Relations, as well as Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village. 
I think what the federal government did was very helpful in saying mandatory vaccination. And, you know, with the caveat, of course, that those who choose not to get vaccinated will be subject to regular testing. Because I think that's where most businesses wanted to go. And now um, now we can go there without a fear of a human rights complaint or some other employment action. So I think it was very helpful. And I think that's where the tide is turning. And I think that by the time the election comes, that will be the norm. Okay. John, what do you think? Yeah, I think we're in day three of a, of a 36-day campaign. And um, I, I, I don't think vaccines are, are mandating or how governments decide that what they want to do, be it provincial governments or the federal government or the party leaders uh, on vaccines is going to be the ballot question. Um, I, there's so much more to be talked about in the debate on, on, on various issues, not, in, not least of which, of course, Afghanistan and how this government's been handling foreign affairs. There's a lot of issues, quite frankly, that are going to be out there. So I don't think the ballot, uh, the ballot question has probably been defined, and we probably won't see that being defined until closer to the end of the campaign. Bob, what do you think? Uh, I thought it was a good start for uh, the PM. I thought he dealt with the media well on his first day. Um, you know, look, uh, when you're going for your third term, it's going to be scrappy. Uh, I thought he handled himself well. I thought he was very clear on the issue of vaccines. Uh, but Bob, st- Bob uh, sorry to interrupt. Do you agree with me that that is kind of the wedge issue that will be on people's minds when they get to the ballot? I, I think I think vaccines slash pandemic management it, it would uh, I would broaden it just a little bit, Libby. And I think people give the government good ratings on getting the vaccines here, CERB, SIBA, overall management of that issue and working with the provinces. So uh, if people want to have an election on that issue, I'd be very comfortable with that. John, uh, out of the corner of my eye, uh, as I was running into the studio here, I was watching uh, Justin Trudeau on the hustings. And basically, the the thing they were discussing, they said uh, the conservatives are trying to make it look like they have the same policy as we do, but they absolutely do not. Uh, And uh, Aaron O'Toole did call for lots of mandatory testing. I mean, you know, almost, I would think that would be very difficult with the tens of thousands of people involved. Yeah, you know, Libby, I would say this, and, and this this election, <clears throat> and many are calling it the Seinfeld election, which is really there's no reason to have this election. So I think the prime minister, uh, as we saw, is going to use this as a wedge issue. There's a reason why he brought this up two days before he was going to go to the RIT, uh, go to the ge- governor general's um, residence to, to drop the wit on Sunday, is because he knew that this was going to be a wedge issue, and that's his prerogative to do. If you're thinking of that this isn't a wedge issue, then, then you know, think again, because it is a wedge issue, and he's politicizing it. Now, at the end of the day, every leader has said that they, they demand and they, that everybody should be and ought to be vaccinated. Some have, some have gone far to say they're going to mandate it, and others have gone as far as to say that people should be tested on a regular basis uh, to ensure that those are that those who aren't vaccinated uh, remain remain uh, remain uh, the, the positives remain negative. But what I would say, though, Libby, there's 80 percent of the population, by and large, who have gotten either the first or the second vaccine. Vaccine clinics are open, and in some cases, are wide open. There's no lineups. There's now mobile units going to those remote areas where people couldn't get vaccinated to get vaccinated. The, the, re- the remaining people 
uh, for some reason either have health issues or have issues with respect to getting vaccinated. So if you're going to mandate them, then you better tell them what's going to happen if you don't. And the one thing the prime minister has not done is basically said what the ramifications will be for those who decide who are not going to vaccinate after he mandates it. And that's an issue. John Capobianco, senior vice president, senior partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, Bob Richardson, liberal strategist and senior counsel to national public relations, and Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village, who make up the Tuesday strategy panel. Right after that, and just before the province announced its updated vaccination policy, Libby spoke with U of T bioethicist Dr. Carrie Bowman and Dr. Susie Hota, Medical Director, Infection Prevention and Control at the University Health Network. It's a great move to try and improve on that circle of protection that we offer, you know, people who are vulnerable within healthcare settings, within long-term care. And, you know, ultimately, I'd be supportive of this going out into the education sector where we have a large group of people who are unvaccinated, that's people under the age of 12, um, in congregate-type settings, which are schools. So I, I think that these are all positive moves to try and protect all Ontarians. Um, and, uh, you know, I look forward to hearing that message. Uh, Dr. Bowman? Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm supportive, Libby. I mean, there's clearly an elevated ethical responsibility of healthcare workers that really supersedes, you know, uh, you know, their themselves. And, and focuses on the patient. It, it depends what we mean by mandatory. And my, my, my understanding of this, and please correct me, Susie, or, or you, Libby, if I've got this wrong, is that people would need to be regularly tested if, in fact, they're not, like, people are not going to be sacked, is what I understand. They'd be regularly tested. Um, and I think that's much more reasonable than firing people. It's going gonna, it's gonna to put a lot of strain on them. Um, I get that. But uh, they've kind of made a choice. I get it when it extends to other groups, and, and maybe that's where you're going next with this question. But, uh, you know, a point I want to make as an ethicist, and I know people may not want to hear this, I want to be very clear here. This is not, you know, true, clear, informed, free and informed consent. It's not. People will, there's a small subset of people that will be vaccinated against their will. So we are moving ourselves out of the normal parameters of how we practice healthcare ethically within this country. I want to be very clear on that. You know, I will say there, there are sort of two components to this. My understanding is exactly as you've outlined that this is not, you know, you're, you must get vaccinated or you're going to lose your job, your employment. It really is a, we're making a statement that vaccination is required here. This is our expectation. And I think that in itself is a powerful message that, you know, healthcare facilities are going to be sending to their employees or staff, physicians, et cetera, um, to kind of set the bar. But if you do not or cannot get vaccinated or you're unable to show us the proof of that vaccination, um, then we would be implementing this rapid testing on a regular basis and a frequent basis because that's what you would need to try and capture, you know, any useful information from a strategy like that on a regular basis until you, or unless you change your mind. And so, you know, I think there are different model, models that can be implemented that aren't quite as labor intensive or expensive, but it does require that planning and it requires that kind of all the tools in the background to get it going. The thing that people who don't want a vaccine are now saying to a large extent is we don't know the long-term effects. How do you respond to that? Well, they're right. Um, but there's no reason to believe there is any problem with the long-term effects. Um, but look, that, that is a, the people that I have spoken to, and I, speak, I do speak to a lot of people, 
Um, some healthcare workers and very educated, uh, you know, the, the final point that they stand firm on is, you know, talk to me in a year or two or three. Well, that's not the point because we've got a crisis now. But the, the point would be, show me the long-term data that there's no, and there's nothing to indicate that there will be any trouble at all. But look, I'm going to say they're not wrong when they say that. A long-term data, obviously, by its very nature, takes time. Dr. Susie Hota, I'm going to give you the last word. Yeah, I mean, I just will add on to that little uh, bit. It's it's an important thing. It's true. We should acknowledge that we don't have the long-term data on what happens. But I do want to point out that we accept many other risks in life, and we do many other things to make decisions and expose our bodies to things without knowing what the long-term effects are. Um, and so it all becomes, you know, an important thing to measure against what, what are the risks of not accepting the vaccine at this point because of what I might, uh, you know, not be protected against. So it's important to keep that all in context. Dr. Susie Hoda, Medical Director, Infection Prevention and Control at the University Health Network, and UFT bioethicist Dr. Carrie Bowman. This is Zuma Radio's Best to Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick for Jane Brown. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zuma Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio and here are some of the best calls of the past week. Marilyn from Lindsay weighed in on mandatory vaccination. I had surgery a week ago and when the nurses brought me back, into my room from the OR, I asked both of them if they had double vaccination, and they assured me they did, and I was good with it. But I had heard that not all hospital staff have to be vaccinated, or it's not mandatory, and some weren't. So me being a nurse, and I remember back in the day when they wanted us to get the flu shots, and they wanted to make it mandatory, and they tried to, and the union went to bat And not everybody had to, so not everybody did. But I have a friend that is, uh, was a director of nursing down in Picton in a, in a retirement home, no, nursing home. And she told her staff, you will all get the flu shot. And if you don't, don't bother coming to work because these people here deserve to be covered, protected. And she said not one person gave her a hassle. Bruce from Guelph had these thoughts about Ontario's vaccination policy. How do we know that that person is actually the one that's doing the swab? It could be another family member. It could be a friend come over to do it if they're seeing symptoms because they don't want to miss work. They don't want to miss pay. Also, it's every 48 hours. Within that 48 hours, they can contract it and, and spread it. And once it gets in the hospital, long-term care, wherever, you know how it's been spreading rapidly. You just mentioned some numbers there, which were astounding to me. So I think this is is not right. It, it, you should be vaccinated, and I hate when people say mandatory. It's not mandatory to get vaccinated. It's mandatory to get vaccinated if you want to work in certain sectors like healthcare and education. Otherwise, go find another profession that's going to allow you to not be vaccinated. David in Toronto also wanted to weigh in. Perhaps not for this pandemic, but for future future pandemics. As people go through for PSWs, doctors, nurses, whatever, 
as part of their accreditation, maybe they need to understand to achieve their accreditation that they will have to take whatever vaccines are required in the future. And if they are not able to, at that point in time, when they're going through their accreditation, they're given a bypass so that they can say, listen, I have this type of a medical condition and I can't take a vaccine. So when people go into the profession, you either know that they will have to take it or they are exempt. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Sita in Mississauga, who called with her thoughts on the coming federal election and whether mandatory vaccination for some workers will be the biggest issue of the campaign. This election is definitely about getting a majority government, and nothing is wrong with a politician leader to want to have this, but it's definitely the wrong time. COVID will be sending our country into the trillion. Taxpayers will have to pay for this forever. Um, why spend time and money on an unwanted election when, when we could spend it on more pressing issue? So vaccine alone will not get my vote. Um, we have natural disaster, wildfire, long-term care, cut taxes, property taxes. Give us a break so people can own or stay in a home. Fund more medical research for stuff like Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, things that you don't hear about, and health care. All these things are more pressing and more important right now than wasting money on ads and an election. That does it for today's Best to Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us between noon and one weekdays. Or, if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca, follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby, and call our Fight Back voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Bob Comsick for Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.